Hello and welcome to our Maritime Impact podcast series. I'm your host, Eric Nyhus, Director Environment for Maritime at DNV. It's been a few months since our last episode on EU developments, and seeing that a lot has happened since then, and is still happening for that matter, it's time for an update. So in this episode, we'll be focusing exclusively on the EU with a status update on both the Emissions Trading System, the ETS, and on the fuel EU maritime regulation. For those of you who want to hear more about what is happening at the IMO, I will refer you back to the last episodes of the previous season where we covered the outcomes for MMPC 80 in detail. The next MMPC meeting will be in March next year, so it'll be a few months before we head back to London. We hope you enjoy the episode, and now on to the show. Those of you who have been listening to this podcast are aware that I have been talking a fair bit about the EU emissions trading system. In previous episodes, I've gone into pretty granular details on what has been agreed and also on what is still outstanding. With publication of the revised directive itself taking place back on May 16th and entering into force now only a couple of months out, we would have hoped that everything was now crystal clear and all uncertainties laid to rest. Unfortunately, at the time of this recording, we're still waiting for final clarity on some pretty crucial questions. So let's take a look at where we stand. As you may recall from the previous episode on the EU, I talked about so-called secondary legislation. These are pieces of legislation the Commission has been authorized to develop in order to flesh out the directive itself, in particular when it comes to the practical implementation aspects. For the ETS, seven implementing regulations have been on now-closed public hearings, most per the ETS directive itself to be finalized by October 1st. Unfortunately, As of the time of recording, we're still waiting for final versions to be published in the official journal of the European Union. This means we do not yet have final confirmation on what they look like, but we do have a pretty good grasp on what outcomes to expect. And if we are lucky, they will have been published by the time you're hearing this episode. One of the key pieces I want to mention is the Monitoring, Reporting and Verification Regulation. This has been in place since 2018 and forms a basis for determining the emissions liability under the ETS. However, the ETS decision-making is driving some important changes to the MRV. There is additional reporting obligations for methane and nitrous oxide. There are new ship types and sizes. There is a very significant new obligation on company reporting of total emissions that has been added. There are modifications to the mandatory monitoring plans and reporting templates, and so on. The practical implication is that the secondary regulation drives changes that will have direct implication for the reporting systematics and for what the verifiers will be looking at. As an example, new monitoring plans will be needed and they will have to be verified and submitted by April 1st. If you haven't already started looking at this, I can only advise that you talk to your verifier to make sure you get your house in order prior to that date. However, this is not the most significant change we see incoming. Under the MRV regulation, as well as under the ETS, the entity responsible for compliance is the so-called shipping company, and there is common legal language in the MRV regulation and the ETS directive describing what this actually is. Up to now, under the MRV, this has been interpreted as meaning the so-called DOC holder or dock holder is responsible. In practical terms, this has meant the ship manager. Now, With the introduction of the ETS and subject to the draft proposal from the Commission becoming the final outcome, interpretation of this legal language is changing. 
The responsible entity will now be the ship owner instead, unless there is an explicit contractual agreement making the dockholder responsible. And due to the way the legislation is structured, this is not limited to the ETS responsibility only. It will also apply to the MRV obligations from January 1st, 2024. In practical terms, and under the assumption that this proposal becomes a final outcome, which we fully expect, quick work is needed to either set up agreements between parties leaving the dockholder responsible, or for many owners to get ready for new responsibilities. And this needs to be done by January 1st. The final piece of draft implementing regulation I want to highlight are the changes to the so-called registry regulation. In very simple terms, this describes the mandatory timelines, actions and documentation necessary for the shipping company to set up what is known as the Maritime Operator Holding Account in the Union Registry. This is the mandatory carbon account that every company will need to set up through their designated administering authority, also known as the AA. As you may remember from previous episodes, every shipping company will be allocated to an AA, an EU member state, subject to certain rules. For most, this allocation will be seen in a list to be published by the Commission by February 1st. The registry regulation stipulates that shipping companies listed have 20 working days to apply to their AA to open a holding account, along with providing comprehensive documentation. The AA then has 40 days to open the account. I think that the workload for many administering authorities will be pretty overwhelming, and I am not at all convinced the deadlines will hold. Nevertheless, we would advise shipping companies to start preparing this documentation package so that you are ready once a list is published and you know which AA you are assigned to. I want to emphasize that these are just some important highlights of what is in the various pieces of implementing regulations, and that so far we have only seen drafts. So there may be adjustments to what I have talked about so far, though I think this is pretty close to the final outcome. And finally, adding to the stress of 2024 fast approaching, I think I should mention that we still have the complication of all EU member states and EEA countries having to transpose the ETS legislation into national law before the end of this year. For some countries, we expect this to be quite a challenge, and the risk here is that some countries may not get the necessary domestic legislation in place to meet the deadline, thus creating significant legal uncertainty and lack of clarity. On top of this, you can add the practical work each country needs to do to get their administering authority ready to handle the influx of shipping companies. We suspect that the readiness level will vary from country to country as 2024 rolls around, and this may create both legal and implementation challenges for all shipping companies. So let's move on to the second item I want to cover today, the Fuel EU Maritime Regulation. As I talked about previously, the Fuel EU Maritime Regulation was agreed politically earlier this year, but since then we have seen the formal publication in the official journal of the European Union. There were no surprises during that process, so we now have certainty that this regulation becomes effective as of January 1st, 2025. That being said, shipping companies, at least those that can be expected to operate in the EU in 2025, need to be aware that they will be submitting their monitoring plans by 31st August 2024. That is less than a year away, so despite being preoccupied with the ETS, it is time to start looking at this regulation as well. 
Same as with the ETS, there will be secondary legislation developed to deal with implementation aspects, and there are 15 of these on the books. For the sake of comparison, this is twice that of the ETS. What this means is that while we do have legislative certainty, there are still a number of implementation issues to be resolved. I covered the technical content of the regulation in quite some detail in the previous episode, so I won't repeat myself on all of that today. However, just as a quick recap, I will cover some of the key features. So, the few EU maritime consists of two core parts. One, that from 2025 sets requirements to the yearly average greenhouse gas intensity of energy used on board the ship, measured as greenhouse gas emissions per energy unit on a life cycle basis. And one part that from 2030 mandates the use of shore power in certain EU ports for certain ship types. Application-wise, it applies to ships above 5,000 gross tons transporting cargo or passengers for commercial purposes. This is the same as a present pre-ETS MRV coverage. The requirement to greenhouse gas intensity tightens over time and is intended to drive the uptake of alternative low-intensity fuels. It's worth noting that burning conventional fuels will make you non-compliant from day one, with a degree of non-compliance increasing over time as requirements tighten. To become compliant with intensity requirements, you basically have three options. Make sure your energy use satisfies intensity requirement by using lower intensity fuels or using alternative energy sources such as wind or shore power. Use novel mechanisms such as banking, borrowing, or fleet pooling of compliance balances. Or pay a pretty robust penalty corresponding to the deficit in your compliance balance. Non-compliance two years in a row can be punished by being banned from EU waters or detention. All of this will build on a monitoring, reporting, and verification system that, to the extent possible, will be reusing data from the existing MRV system, but there will be significant add-ons, and in a legal sense, this system can be considered an MRV2. All the data handling, including the banking, borrowing, and pooling, will be handled through a new fuel EU database that the Commission will be setting up. In practical terms, this is expected to be in addition to the existing Thetis system, used amongst other things, for MRV. Same as for the ETS, it is a shipping company that is responsible for compliance under the fuel EU maritime. However, we are getting strong signals that in this case, the shipping company will be defined differently than from how it is defined under the ETS, and that the dock holder is to be the responsible entity in all cases. So with the shipping company definition potentially not being the same for the different regulations, there is the distinct possibility that we could end up with compliance responsibility for the ETS and the fuel EU maritime being split between different entities. I want to stress that nothing final is published on this yet, but it is certainly something worth keeping an eye on. And needless to say, we would hope for a consistent and unified approach from the Commission on this. What I also want to emphasize today is a timeline for the 15 pieces of implementing regulation, because these will hopefully be providing significant clarity on numerous implementation issues. We have started seeing early drafts of some of these, and the Commission is engaging closely with industry through the European Sustainable Shipping Forum. The plan is to have most of the key proposals published by the end of this year, though with some being published in 2024. We expect all of them to go through a public hearing, the so-called have your say mechanism, and I would personally encourage stakeholders to provide their input when the hearings start. 
we would then expect to start getting the final versions around Q1, Q2, 2024. My key point here is that the fuel EU Maritime is going to be a very significant piece of regulation, and it is in reality just around the corner. So at the risk of contributing to heartburn and headaches, I really want to stress that you cannot spend the next year solely focusing on the ETS and IMO regulations such as the CII. Preparing for the fuel EU Maritime will also require considerable efforts, and increasingly so as we see the implementing regulations getting finalized in 2024. So to the key takeaways. As promised in earlier episodes, 2023 is increasingly a hectic and an important year. We are on the cusp of the ETS entering into force in 2024 and fuel EU Maritime in 2025. The final implementation regulations on the ETS are still pending and time is getting very tight. That being said, we hope that by the time you hear this, they will have been published. Do not let the ETS or the CII steal all your attention away from the fuel EU maritime regulation. For many shipping companies, the first deadline is less than a year away, so it is definitely time to start familiarizing yourself with the regulation and not least to start planning for its implications. Finally, I would be remiss if I did not mention that DNB offers a range of services to address the tasks and challenges posed by the growing number of regulations. Our decarbonization plan service supports ship owners and operators to create cost-effective decarbonization strategies for compliance with both IMO and EU regulations. Also, as emissions performance becomes increasingly a business-critical driver with data needing to be captured, verified, and shared with relevant stakeholders, DNV has launched its Emissions Connect service. Through it, we support the shipping industry with a single source of verified real-time emissions data. Emissions Connect facilitates a financial settlement for EU allowances transactions. It also provides for operational control of the carbon intensity indicator performance. And you can find more information on our website, dnv.com. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Maritime Impact Podcast with me, Eric Nyhus. Next time, I'll be joined by Edward Glossop, Head of Sustainable Operations at Bunker Holding Group to discuss the impact the latest regulations and decarbonization targets will have on the bunker supply industry and what the future fuel landscape could look like. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to give us a rating or a review. Thank you for listening.